Y'all have a great week? Yes. Good. I'm glad one person did. <laughs> How do you make a bad week good? Change your perspective. Good answer. That was that was just kind of like, yeah. How do you make a bad week good? Change your perspective. What does that change perspective look like? Depends on why it's a bad week. What choice? Is there a choice that I can make about a particular situation? Can I continue to follow into that, or can I turn it around and make it good? Okay. Well, also, instead of focusing on the bad, trying to pick something out in the day that was actually good. Oh, you mean whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's just, whatever's praiseworthy, think on these things, and the God of peace will be with you? That yeah, that's my head. <laughs> yeah, that's what God Then, like you said, the question is, is it really bad because this past week, I had to drop my daughter off at college. I'm going to cry. But so when I dropped her off, you know, and she was supposed to drive back with me to Kansas to see my sisters, but the staff said it was best she stay on campus because they were going to have activities for their freshmen and everything. So I had to make this drive from St. Louis to Kansas all by myself. But when I got back to the hotel, I was just in the shower, just crying, popping. I was just devastated and then all of a sudden the Lord was like she's not dying you know <laughs> she's going off to college and then he did he reminded me of uh, my niece who lost her daughter last year and I just my heart went out that. to her and what that pain must feel like if I'm grieving this hard just letting my, well, my daughter go to college what that must really feel like for someone who lost a child and when I thought about it like that, I kind of snapped out of it, you know, and I still miss her. I was at the grocery store yesterday, and she used to bag my groceries, and I'm standing at the counter and just looking at the groceries down, and like, oh, someone has to bag them. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Evelyn, thank you, Elaine, um, thank you so much for sharing that story, because grief for even good things is real, and it's okay. But the way that you turn to God and God allowed you to empathize helps bring us comfort as well. You know, it's like mourn with those who mourn, rejoice with those who rejoice. And even though you weren't with your, um, the person that lost their daughter, you still had the ability to grieve and mourn for her, which actually helped you put your mourning into a different, right. you know? So, I mean, that's just in so many different levels um, living out scripture and and I appreciate that testimony thank you you know even the fact that now you've got a new norm and we don't realize we don't realize all the little things that everyone does especially inside our household we tend to focus on the negatives you know I've had people it's like he doesn't clean up anything. He's always leaving his dishes in the sink. I have to do everything. It's like, okay, so you're going to get divorced because of that. And then what? You'll still be doing everything. Yeah, we <laughs> No. No buts. No. There really, there really isn't a but because you're losing the benefits of that relationship too, and there's always benefits. I mean, I don't want to. I know. I know. Half the dirty dishes and take half the time. <laughs> <laughs> can I please jump in? <laughs> like, you can jump in. You can jump in. You can jump in. So, you made a comment about, you know, there's all these things that we don't realize that our partner does, and all we focus on is, is the negative. So, after 16 years, my marriage ended. And I used to sit there and complain about all the things that he didn't do. And I am now managing the house all by myself. The garbage doesn't go out by itself. The leaky faucet doesn't get fixed by itself. It's all the garbage disposal, the hot water heater. I can keep going. Um, it, 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 you don't, you really, I honestly, and I had to sit there, it took me six months before I finally sat there and said, oh, he really did do some things. I probably should have said something. So I'm saying this today after two years because I just want to make a point in that if you have your spouse still in your house, make sure you tell them, thanks for taking out the trash, thanks for fixing the leaky faucet, because then you get into it like me, and you're doing it yourself, or you're calling everybody's friend, husband, hey, do you know a plumber type thing. 
<laughs> and I make light I make light of it today because I can. But sure. You're right. You don't realize until you have to do it all by yourself when they're gone, and it's like, oh, I did do something. But changing that perspective can make a difference. Yes. You know. Change yeah. the perspective. We've talked a lot in this class about seeing other individuals through God's eyes. It's also important to start seeing situations through God's eyes as well. How does God view the situation? How does God view what's going on? And it's just as important to view situations through God's eyes as it is individuals. Because if we don't, what's going to end up happening is we're going to be dealing more and more with the topic that we're going to be talking about today. And that's anger. Sarah? I have a question. Yeah. I'm going to try to stay as vague as possible so I don't cry so much. But when do you know if you overthink it? Because if you feel God tell you to do something and then you do it, and then it's nothing but complication after complication after complication. And then you start losing sight of God to hold you to do this in the first place. How do you know when you're starting to overthink, okay, does it really God to tell me to do this? Is this being selfish? Is this, how do you pull it back? Because that can make a worse week the worst. Because then you have all the not knowings and you can't, fix it and you don't know how to pray for it because what do you say? You break it down. You know, it's hard. It's very hard and I'm sorry that you, you're going through such a rough time. But the first thing that came to my mind was the Israelites. Moses knew that he needed to go before Pharaoh. And God told him. And what happened? Things got worse. Things got a lot worse. Okay. But finally, the Israelites were let go. Yay, freedom, a breakthrough, all right? But then what did they do? They wandered the desert for 40 years. Okay. Because it didn't look the way they thought it should look when they got free. Was there a purpose in all of that? Yes. Was God there? Yes. If you truly believed that God told you to do something, the outcome is the outcome. Pastor um, Jason talked about Corey Tembo. <clears throat> Okay. Corey Ten Boom, if you've never listened to her, if you've never seen any of her biographies or anything else like that, um, she tells a story of, with her and her sister were in one of the concentration camps, Ravensbrook. And they would lead um, Bible studies. And Corey, quite frankly, will admit to herself, and she's passed on now, but um, she would admit she was the first to complain and grumble and, you know, the, the conditions there, the bugs and you know, everything else, the, the lice, and it's like, I just can't stand this. And her sister says, no, we have to praise God for the lice. We have to praise God for these bugs. And it's like, what are you talking about, girl? You know, because we have these insects, because this irritation, all right, it's keeping the guards away from us. Hmm. So it's protecting us from an even worse. So the situation's horrible but it's keeping the guards away from us that we can have these prayer times, that we don't have to worry about being raped because the guards aren't gonna, you know. So the overthinking part is questioning whether or not you heard from God. You may not have heard from God. You may have made a mistake, but this is the question. Where's God's grace and where's his mercy in that? because he knows your heart was intent on doing what you truly believed. And can he not work through that situation anyway? 
So regardless of whether or not you actually heard from God, which very well could have been the case, or you thought you heard from God and you really didn't, God still has a way. And, so, this, and the same God that you believe told you to do something is the same God, the same dad, who you can say, Dad, did I hear you right? And Dad, show me where I need to be in this circumstance right now. And that's the hardest part. But I think, okay, who in this room hasn't overthought a situation? Okay, I mean, I think we all have at times, you know? No one's raised their hand. You yeah, know? no one's raising their hand. I want to you know? know who did this. Uh, yeah. How do you do that? Not even Brittany. She's not raising her hand either. <laughs> Joe, you were going to say something? Uh, yeah. Um, you know, Scripture says that we walk by faith and not by sight. And that's a very difficult thing to do as human beings mm -hmm. because we innately want to walk by sight. Yeah. And in times when we get in situations like that, it really, it really has to come back to complete trust in the Lord. Right? And trusting that he is who he says that he is. He's a good father. He wants the best for you and not the worst for you. And we have to walk by faith. You know, we have to walk by faith. Sometimes that's walking, well, that's walking hour by hour, moment by moment, day by day. Because we just, we don't, we can't see what God is doing. And there's many times where God will tell us to, We'll, we'll have the idea that God will tell us something and we'll walk into it and it'll seem like total disaster. Everything will just like fall apart and that's where the questioning starts. What did you tell me? Did you tell me? Did you tell me? Uh, I, I'll, I'll be gut level honest with you in terms of from my own life. I walked into a situation where I knew that I knew that I knew that the Lord was telling me to do what I did. And I put everything on the line and I lost everything. And at that point, I was just, I was devastated because I was like, well, I knew God told me to do this. I was sure of it, but now I've lost everything. I've lost the ability to take care of my family. I've lost all of that. So God, where in the, mm -hmm. were you in this? But now I'm looking at it backwards and from, from where I am now. And the thing is, I gained everything because I lost everything. And from this point now, I look back at it and go, you know what, God? If I hadn't have done what you said, and if I hadn't have lost everything, I wouldn't have gained so much more than what I thought I had. Because what I thought was everything was really nothing. But what I have now is so much greater than what I thought I had. Right. So in those places, it's the, where the rubber meets the road. It's like, God, I'm walking with this with you hour by hour, moment by moment. And you get to a place where if God, if you don't come through, we perish, we die. Right. Yeah. Like the Israelites. Yeah. yeah. Right. It was like, if God, you don't supply manna today, we starve. Right. And that's a place where. I believe God takes us to, right? Because then we see the miracles. Miracles don't happen when you're standing on your side. Right. Miracles happen when you're standing in the midst saying, you know, God, it doesn't happen today. I don't live. I don't see tomorrow unless you show up today. And that's where the, the, the questioning comes in and the overthinking. Am I, am I being obedient? Am I being tested because I am not as strong with the faith that he is going to take care of it. You know, am I being dragged along by my husband's faith? You know, it's it's a weird feeling. I think it's a feeling that most go through at different times of their walk. Sometimes multiple times. Even the mature key, Christians. Even mature Christians. Mm -hmm. okay. the, the key okay. and the process is when you are questioning yourself, your eyes, our eyes, are not on Christ. It's not on his promises and not on his word. 
if what you believed you heard from God is in line with scripture and you do it Mm -hmm. then it's taking that blind faith and jumping off the cliff and saying okay God all the pieces are now all over because I didn't land properly right okay but you're the creator you're the remaker you're the reconciler you're the you (coughs) can bring it together so show me where I need to be in this, emotionally, spiritually, because I can't change the past. The decision's been made, mm-hmm. okay? But Lord, what do you want from me today? And keep in mind that certain choices that we make and choices that God directs us to make always have consequences, good and bad. Consequences is a neutral word, so please mm-hmm. understand it. But every choice we make even when directed by God, will have consequences. And trusting that we heard from God, those consequences don't surprise Him. Okay. I haven't heard that one before. Those consequences do not surprise Him, which means, God, how do you want me to see this? Because right now I'm seeing this through my eyes and and, and I'm feeling this and here's what I'm thinking too. And it's important, and, and I, want to, I want to give you a word of caution for protection of your heart. We've talked about the emotional cup in here a lot. What happens is, when we get a feeling inside of us, we can begin to think lies about ourselves to compensate for that. So what I'm going to ask you to do when you get home is get into a prayer closet get alone with God at some point and ask God while this is still fresh what lies have I been telling myself and please substitute that with truth and repent for believing the lies okay Okay? that's to protect your heart that's to protect these things from sinking in there and getting we just put decomposed granite in our front yard What's going to happen after a while? It looks like a regular pile of dirt. It looks like a pile of dirt, but you step on it, you step on it, you step on it, it's going to turn hard and into concrete. We don't want that happening in your heart. That's a way to cleanse that out. Does that make sense? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I want to walk that right now and do that. (laughs) You know what? You you are welcome to. (laughs) No, and not, you won't offend us. Mm -hmm. You are welcome to. You are welcome to. Okay. Can I can I give you something though before you do? This is a truth. This is a truth that God wants you to know is that God absolutely has the power to hold you together in the midst of anything and everything. And he's the reason I'm here. Right. It's gotta be through every fiber of your being. And that will give you the power to be able to walk, because it's by His grace that He's going to give you to be able to walk through that. But you got to know that you know that you know that you know that. And, and you okay. can do it, and it will happen. And it's okay sometimes. Early on in my walk, I just had to do this recently, is this sometimes, and I would say, Lord, you know me. You know how I get in your way all the time. <laughs> sometimes, Lord, I just need a reminder that this is you, and it's not me. And he nevertheless, he always showed me, whether it was something on a commercial, someone called me through scripture, he reminded me, this is my will. And a good example is just two weeks ago, I was struggling with, I knew God wanted me to do a small group, but I kept saying, no, I did it before, I don't want to do it again, I don't do it. And every time they announced it, I'm like, bing, bing, I don't have to do it. And then finally I'm walking out, and then they were having a, um, one of the um, kiosks. And I was just gonna pass by it, and the Lord said, stop. And then I says, okay, Lord, if, need to know and then when I ask her she tells me what the the study is going to be on Jonah and I'm like oh god <laughs> you know so for me <laughs> that was my confirmation that this is what you want to do so for me I know I, it's okay to just ask Lord I just need for you to show me you know yeah it's not questioning always, God it's just sometimes we need reminders I've always told her God has to smack me upside the head to get me out of my own head yeah that's why I got this bruise on my arm <laughs> <laughs> Okay. 
So, um, and Teddy, did you have something? Um, Thank you. I was just going to say that about something that's been like one of the biggest struggles for me, which, you know, I think we two personally are aware of that it's, it's been huge. And um, I just, I, what I will do is I, I've gotten to the point where I've felt a lot of turmoil or am I hearing you? Am I not? Is it yes? No? Maybe so? Is to go back and just pray, you know what, I can, is to go back to like, like Joe said, is just to trust in God. Minding myself, I can trust God, and, and praying to God and telling him, I know I can trust you. And I know that if this isn't coming from you, I'm willing to submit to you and be obedient to you. And if you need to come alongside and slap me along the head, you have permission to do whatever it takes to, to, to speak directly to me. You know, and that, and, and just keep you know my heart there you know take it to that place and, and just tell God you know and I am surrendering and you <coughs> have the authority over me and so you know you, it just going back to that place and then putting it there and it, usually I, I want to say that I it's usually just a, a day or maybe a little while later that I'll have a confirmation that it's like you are just kind of I need something tangible to hang on to, God. Show me that I'm walking in the right direction, or at least looking in the right direction. Yeah. No, it's good. I still remember when I thought I was hearing from God. And I, I was. And I, 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 I did what he said, and all hell broke loose. And here's, here's my conscious thought. If this is the way you handle things, I will do them on my own. Thank you very much. <laughs> and if I thought hell broke loose then, oh, hell really broke loose at that point. And it was nine months before I repented of those words. And a friend shared with me, he says, keep in mind when all hell breaks loose, it's because Satan is losing control, not because God is. He's throwing everything he can at you as a last-ditch effort. As a last-ditch effort to get you to change your mind. And I did change my mind for nine months. And it's almost, and now I can almost picture it. It's like God's hand was over me as I was walking in obedience. And as soon as I said those words, his hand went. Then he really showed me what hell looks like. Then he really showed me what hell looks like. Okay. Okay. Are we going to deal with anger? <laughs> no! <laughs> so it's, it's actually been a really interesting, interesting um, week with this. You know, we've kind of been breaking it down um, almost verse by verse. 1 Corinthians 13. 1 um, Corinthians 13, yeah, for those that haven't been with us, we're breaking down what is love. And, you know, at the beginning, um, the revelation, I still love this, that love that's talked about is a hava love which means basically God exhaled we inhaled love came okay it's that partnership that life breath of God that is love yeah. period um, two types of love one based on how things make us feel pastor Jason you know kind of talks some about that upstairs as well the other lies in appreciating the value of others and again, Pastor Jason, you know, kind of, he stole our notes from a couple of weeks yeah. ago and preached today. Uh, so if you want to get caught up, go to sermon. But that's why we can say we love pizza or we love that car or I love my Mini Cooper. And then in the, in the very same breath, I can say I love my wife. Okay. But I don't give him indigestion as much as the pizza does, you know, so it's okay. As much. No, I didn't. <laughs> I said as much first. I love you. Okay, pretty. so this week we're talking about um, um, love is not easily angered and it keeps no records of wrong, which is funny because we knew that we were going to try to do both. Yeah. And the way that the studies went and the way that we were focused was actually on more of the it keeps no records of wrong, which is the forgiveness part. And 
then we're sitting down and we're trying to, okay, let's put together the outline for today. And it's kind of like, okay, we'll do forgiveness first and then anger because we've got more study done on the forgiveness than on the anger. And it's like, no, we can't. We have to do the anger first. Um, yeah, it's just really kind of funny. What's the point of forgiveness? What's the point of forgiveness? What's the point of forgiveness? point of forgiveness is, the, the whole point of forgiveness is when we've been offended. We've been offended, we've been wronged, we've been hurt, right? And what is generally the emotion that crops up when we've been offended, hurt, or otherwise ignored, or rejected, or something else? Anger. 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 It's going to pop up in there somewhere. It's going to pop up in there somewhere. You know. So, I mean, God's order is actually important. Yeah. You know, we just kind of learned that a little bit more deeper. Yeah, it would have been strange to create the animals without creating an earth first, I suppose. <laughs> We'd have all these animals floating in space, waiting for gravity to suck them in. Let, oh, there, <laughs> let there be light. There you go. That was the second day, I think. <laughs> okay, so, so what is angry? What is anger? What is it? What is anger? What makes you angry? Well, I don't know if we want to bring that out in that way. No. Uh, what is anger? Is anger always good? Is it always bad? Is it both? Is it sinful? Tell us what you think about anger. I think it's okay because the Bible says be angry but sin not. Okay. So I think it depends on how you handle that anger. Okay. And if you can control it or if it's controlling you. Okay. I take it back. Perspective is a big thing for me. How do I deal with the anger? What do I do with that anger? Do I take that emotion of anger and do I, and I'm not saying I do this, you know, do I throw something across the room? Do I break something or do I take that energy on and, and turn it into something good, do something good, focus on something? I clean a lot. The most strangest things in my house will get. You can tell when I've been upset because, like, the grout in my house is spectacularly. <laughs> Call me when you're ready. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you work it out. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I think for me, it, it's just about you know, what do I do with? How do you, how do you deal with it? It's the same thing. So it's not a sin to get angry. Okay, so it's a it's sin to act out on the anger to harm other people, right? Did I hear that right? Okay. David? I was going to say anger is a reaction. At least in my case, it's some sort of stimulus, whether it was a good thing or a bad thing, and then it's my reaction to that. Okay. Most times. Under what conditions have you found yourself getting angry? I mean, I used to get angry at my boss. I can't anymore because I am my boss. Elaine? Injustice. Injustice? Okay. Stupidity. When I make a stupid mistake that I knew better. Okay, so angry at yourself. It's self-directed. Self-directed. Okay. Yeah. Driving. Driving? Yeah. Okay. Highway 4. Yeah, that's, I mean... The last uh, two or three months, mm -hmm. we have literally been stopped on major roads because of accidents, you know, and, and it's like, okay, we're going to go, and then we're stopped for half an hour, you know? Yeah, there was uh, one of my, one of the first cases I worked with when I was with ATF, what, remember the Washington DC sniper many, many years ago? Well, there were some shootings on 580, so they were calling this the 580 sniper. I looked, there were 22s. They were small caliber bullets. It's like, this isn't a sniper. So I asked where all the shootings occurred. They occurred three exits this way and three exits that way. All in the same day. I said, somebody just got fired. Look for somebody who does that commute who just got fired because that's your shooter. And that's what turned out to be the shooter. It wasn't, it was just somebody acting out in anger. So, 
Would you say that's bad? Yeah. <laughs> that's a bad anger. Okay. Anger is definitely a, a, an emotional response, right? And it can be one of the, um, I'm going to use this term, primal responses, all right? So it, it, there are things that should make us angry. There are things. The injustice that's going on now, the hatred, that's, stuff that happened in Charlottesville. And I'm not talking about the debate over whether or not a, a particular statue should come down, but I'm talking about the disrespect and the violence that occurred because of a difference of opinion. All right? mm -hmm. That should make us angry. All right? Because it's not about whether or not we agree on something, but how we handle that disagreement. Okay. It's a very primary natural emotion. And it, a lot of it has, has evolved as a way of protecting ourselves sometimes. Okay? And it's often, but it's often, Gene, Gene has often said this, it's often a black hole of emotions. Because when somebody says what's wrong, oh, I'm just angry. That's a response to something. Why are you angry? What's going on in the inside? So I'm not really angry. I was actually felt disrespected. So it's not that I, I, I put it into this anger, black hole, but really what I felt was disrespected, or I felt unappreciated, or I felt, you know, fill in the blank, insecure, all right? But I say I'm angry, all right? How many of us have the ability to dissect what we're actually feeling when we say we're angry, all right? If you, if you can, if you know other emotions and can identify other emotions, we will recognize that we're not as angry as we think we might be sometimes. Does that make sense? Because a lot of, I'm just angry, I'm just angry. Well, why are you angry? Well, my boss just you know, told me this, this, and this, and they don't even know how you know, hard I work. Well, you're actually feeling disrespected or unappreciated in that circumstance. And being able to identify that anger as disres feeling disrespected or feeling unappreciated or whatever goes a long way to help healing it. Even just being able to identify it not as anger, but as the actual yeah. emotional need not being met goes a long way to bring healing. Yeah, because anger is often a secondary emotion. There's other emotions that are feeding into it. Anger is, is generally always a response. It is always a response to something that has triggered something. It could be something that's triggered from your past, or it could be something that was just triggered today. You know, I could, or when I was coming home from work, I could come home from work, and I could just say something short to my wife, and it triggered that she was being disrespected all day long at her own work. And all of a sudden, who gets snapped at? It's me. You need to control your anger. Well, that's really helpful. I can share with you it's not. Neither is the response of me snapping, but that's a different story. Correct. But if it's, again, it's seeing people, seeing situations through God's eyes, it's not in Gene's nature to snap at me as soon as I get home. So what happened during the course of the day? If we, I don't like this term anger management, but if we want to figure out how to deal with this, it is important to take a step back. Ask God, how, what, what's going on here? Even with the guy that cuts us off. Even with the guy that cuts us off, so. It was, it was funny, um, Pastor Jason, if you haven't been to service, one of the things that he does um, was list out a bunch of pet peeves yeah. Okay. You know, does this make you angry? Does this upset, you know? And, and I saw a few people that literally were raising their hand for every <laughs> single thing, you know. Dude, that, stay that asleep because life must be tough. <laughs> you know, and, and, it's, and, and that's it. I mean, when I saw people literally raise their hand for everything, you know, it makes me think, are they dealing with chronic anger? 
Are they dealing with chronic anger? It's an ongoing feeling of resentment toward others, mm. you know? And that's a really hard place to live. Um, I actually, um, I lived with chronic, I would wake up in the morning mad at the world, right? And if you look at my three other sisters, and my mother, and my grandmother, okay? They wake up angry at the world. I praise God that he put me early on um, in my Christian walk um, in, front of a, in front of a guy that quite frankly, I was listening to the tape and I fell asleep, okay? Um, he was preaching in front of a jail, so he was preaching like this in a monotone voice for about an hour. So I would wake up and fall asleep and wake up and fall asleep, but at the end, um, he says, okay, so if you want to be free, you know, say this prayer. And I said this prayer, and it was the first time that I physically felt something happening inside of me. And at the end of the prayer, I mean, it was kind of like it just raised off, and then it was gone off my shoulders. From that point, I didn't wake up angry every day. Okay. I had a stronghold, a generational, right? The sins of the father is going to be passed, second and third generation. I had a stronghold of that anger in me, and I needed deliverance. You know, no, I didn't spin my head around or anything else like that, all right? But it was a spiritual thing that I needed to get healed from. Now, the interesting thing about that as well, I had chronic debilitating allergies. I literally could not go out of the house. If I did, I made sure that I had wraparound goggles. I had a box of tissues with me. I had so many drugs in my system from about February <coughs> until November, I was so sick. Literally, my tongue split because I could not breathe through my um, nose for so many months, okay? Mm -hmm. my, my tongue literally split because I could not keep it wet enough, all right? Pretty disabling. Kept me away from a lot of things. After that deliverance, I don't deal with it like that anymore. I don't. I, I still will be impacted occasionally by allergies, but I'm not afraid to say, "Oh, the party's outdoors. Okay, I'll go. I'll just make sure I take an extra antihistamine that day." I'm not on medication, you know, 24 hours a day, two, three, four different types of medication. So I still have some allergy symptoms at times, but I'm not disabled by it. And I believe because I walked around with that chronic anger, that once I got delivered from that, it changed my physiology. That's how God works. And, and I want to add something on to it as a word of encouragement for everybody too. Because Jean said that prayer because of her desire to be free of anger. And because out of obedience. It, it, was, it was a contrived prayer, wasn't it? Repeat after me. It was a very contrived prayer. But when those prayers are God-led and you are praying out of obedience, Gene happened to be able to feel it. But even if you don't feel it, if you are praying those words out of obedience because the prayer, praying of those words is a conscious choice that you're telling God, I want to live life differently, guess what he's going to do? He's going to honor those prayers. Whether you feel released in the moment or not, he's going to honor those prayers. That's where faith comes in. That's where trusting God comes in. The, the song that's been replaying in my head over and over and over this entire 45 minutes, he's a good, good father. He's a good, good father. Yes, he is. He is. Because we can trust Him. We can trust Him. We can trust His vision. We can trust what He says. We can trust what He sees. We can trust what He tells us. Ask Gideon. God's okay with us asking again. He did it with Gideon and he didn't get mad. But it can't be our go-to all the time. It can't be our go-to all the time. We have to get to the point where our faith is exercised enough that we're not having to say, okay, God, do it this way. Okay, God, do it that way to make sure eventually we need to, you know, yeah. Yeah. 
we need to know. So other types of anger. There's mild anger brought on by tiredness, hunger, and stress. I think the commercials say you're hangry. Hangry. Okay. Uh, there's the more demonstrative anger, which is the yelling and violence, okay? Um, oftentimes it doesn't happen immediately, but can be the result of unchecked and unprocessed anger below the surface, little offenses that build up. And then all of a sudden you've got the, ca the straw that broke the camel's back. So in those situations, there can be a lot of passive anger, anger going on, where it's just... And you find yourself doing this a lot and pacing a lot. Gene, uh, hey, did you see? Who knows? Who knows? I used to pick at my cuticles on my thumbs a lot. Used to destroy those things. Okay. And Jean would always look and, and she'd say, "What's what's going on?" Little things. I found it interesting last week. They were interviewing this guy who belonged to a particular group, and and I appreciate his transparency. And he was saying that he grew up angry at a lot of things that went on in his childhood, and he thought that it would it would help him. But he chose to join a particular group because it was an avenue for him to vent all of that anger mm -hmm, and frustration mm -hmm. out on another group of people. But it goes back to where it originated from. Yeah. You know, we start for one reason, and then venture off. Is, like I always say, it's not about the burnt toast. You know, it's about something much deeper. But I, I appreciate him just being honest, and it made me think about a lot of people out there who spew hate. Is like, where did that all come from? Do they really feel that way, or is this just some unresolved? Some issue? of it, some of it's learned. Yeah, some of it's learned. We learn to hate. We learn to walk around with anger because. Our rights are getting um, whatever, you know. Um, I would and that, that's a lot of times also, like with some of these hate groups, okay, there's a lot of judgmental anger. All right, we become hypercritical. We, um, uh, I saw about five minutes of, I think the show is called What Would You Do? Um, this guy goes around and they set up scenarios in restaurants or stores or whatever and I don't even know if it was five minutes but a, a Middle Eastern looking gentleman um, I think he was wearing um, not a turban um, but a cap he had a Middle Eastern name and I think just based on, on the comments it was probably closer to 2000 rather than done something really recently but basically the guy goes into a store um, to get his passport photo taken now he's an actor as well as the the person that's working the passport um, picture taking and says and she's set up to say I don't feel comfortable taking your passport because I don't you know if some if you did something like 9-11 I would feel responsible and to see what the other people would respond to and it was really disheartening how many people said well you're wrong you know you really you really shouldn't to the phot photographer you really shouldn't not take his picture but you need to make sure you see his ID to make sure he's a citizen okay now no one else needed to show their ID to take a passport photo all right but these people that feel like well, we need to make exceptions and build different rules because we're going to profile people. That is judgmental. And it makes us angry over a series of times when we have those judgments. When we judge people all whatever, okay, fill in all women, all men, all golfers, all, you know, let's, let's fill in, you know, all oh, you drug addicts. you hit Joe twice, golfers and men. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, I must be singling you out, I'm sorry. <laughs> global language. It's global language. It's where we talk about every time or everything. Those are all judgmental statements. It's Joe. your family. Yeah, yeah well, it is, actually. Um, 
And most times we do it subconsciously. Yep. We do. We do it subconsciously. All fill in the blank. Yeah. You know? And it really takes a lot of work for us to get out of that thinking because so much of what's going on in this country is people's inability to sit down with somebody that's different than them and to have a conversation with them. Because it's, 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 it's all over like Facebook. And so I've just been like Facebook and all these people because <laughs> that's what's going on now, mm -hmm. right? It's, you know, it's this person looks a different way, this person believes a different thing. And so here's my opinion on that. And the first thing I ask him is, well, do you know anybody? Have you, have you ever sat down and talked to that person that you don't like and try to understand their perspective? Because if you don't, you don't grow. You don't, you don't learn. You don't, you don't love. You don't do any of those things. Right? And it's very much why, why Jesus said, a house divided cannot stand. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Yeah. And it's one of the things that I've been like pushing out there on Facebook. I'm like, look, right? Whatever you think your America is, right, is not what true America is because all of us are America. And so it behooves me to, it's like the, it, it, give you a good example, the thing that's going on now with the Confederate um, flag and the statues, right? And there's two opposing camps. And part of what happened in Charlottesville actually came out of that mm -hmm. because the ones that were marching, yeah, you know, the neo-Nazi signs and all this kind of stuff, because you always have the hate groups that when they see the division, there's a, that if there's something that they can clasp to, right? So the march actually started out as there's some of us in the South that see this as our heritage, not as being racist. Right? But then you had the hate groups that found out about the march and so they latched onto it. Right? But then what did the other side do? Right? It's like, okay, we're against hate and we're gonna come out there and we're gonna confront it. Okay, got it. But here's the issue, and it was all over the internet. And so people that I I've known, right, taking sides and I said, wait a minute. I said, has any of those that see Robert E. Lee and the Confederate flag as a heritage, ever talk to those that see it as a symbol of racism? Have the two of you ever sat down and talked about it and said, you know what, this is why I see it this way? And the others say, well, you know what, I understand that that may not be my belief. I don't, have, I don't like racism, but there's a history there of heritage that my family. I said, if you don't do that, you have a powder keg of which is what you've got right now, yeah. right? Because you won't, because we won't do that and sit down. If you don't do that, each of us are going to destroy ourselves. And it's what God teaches us to do. And, yeah. and let's bring it down to be a little bit more personal, yeah. all right? How many of us have judgmentalism regarding ourselves? Yeah. Okay, I'm stupid. That was stupid. Why do I always do that? Why can't I? Okay. I'm an idiot. All right. That, believe it or not, is as bad. And here's and not only those. I'm not worth being loved. Because we take circumstances. Here's what we're doing. We're taking circumstances, and we're telling ourselves lies. We are telling ourselves lies based on circumstances. We're going to be talking about forgiveness maybe not even next week because we're going to be finishing up this topic because I, we don't want to rush this. <coughs> I was talking about forgiveness one time and I, I remember that, you know, somebody said, well, you know, my sister, m my sister, you know, says, you know, that because I, I won't reestablish the same level of relationship with her that I never really forgave her. I said, is your sister saved? And she said, no. I said, why are you letting an unsaved person judge what forgiveness looks like? Why are you doing that? It doesn't make sense. Because true forgiveness begins at the cross. 
begins with God. And if we don't have that relationship, we don't know, we can't define what true forgiveness looks like. So why are we doing that? So what ends up happening is, why are we letting the circumstances dictate lies to ourselves as opposed to what God's truth says about us? We have so many kids and so many adults cutting themselves, doing self-harm to themselves because of the lies that they're telling themselves. That's, that's caused by judgmental anger turned inward. Yeah. Anger turned inward is depression. May I share my personal testimony? Mm -hmm. Yes. Sure. Uh, my name is Narinder. I've been coming to church for a long time. I've been saved for about 23 years. I love the Lord every morning. When I get up, I read my word while my wife, she's preparing me a breakfast before I leave to work. Since I became a Christian, there's struggle all the time in my life. I don't remember that any day goes by when there's not struggle, but I run to the Word to find me help. About two months ago, I was struggling, going through struggle. I left my house. I drive a big, big truck to go to work. So I was going to go from Clayton to San Jose. While I'm driving, I'm looking, I'm driving on 680, the hills, where does my help come from? comes from the Lord. So I'm thinking all those thoughts, the rightful thoughts that I'm going through. And then I'm looking to the right. I, when you drive a big rig, you sit so high that you could see far away. And look like it looks ocean to me. So I'm praising God, thanking Him. But my life's still in struggle, right? At that moment, I'm driving, then different stuff starts in my mind. This battle. It's like, gave up in my anger. Now the anger rises within me. Why I have to go through struggle? I'm trying to quote scripture from book of James. James said when the trial and tribulation comes, consider it pure joy. I'm like, I'm going to ask James when I'm there, how could you say that? <laughs> how could you say that when you go through trial and tribulation that considers, then I think about Peter. Peter says, you're not the only one. All your brother and sister throughout the world, they go through the same thing. So I'm thinking those thoughts, then thought again, the negative thought. Gave up. Gave up. Gave up what? My faith. Deny the Lord. Then I'm like, it's like almost talking to somebody. How could I give up my faith? He died for me on the cross. He's forgiven all my sins. How could I forgive up? So while I'm going through this thing right now, and I'm driving, I, I got my exit, and I looked across from far away. I saw the cross. I knew it's church. And when I drove by the church, I looked at the cross. The cross reminded me of my forgiveness. My Lord died there, and He has washed me with, from all my sins. When I drove by at the bottom of the cross, it said, never forgive up. <laughs> I said, thank you, Jesus. At that moment, I felt like my, all the struggle that arises within me is gone. And now I'm thinking, what is sin? Sin is that thought that rises within you to give up and rise against God. Be a disobedient to his word. Bless the Lord. That's a great testimony. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer one of the things. James 1, 2 through 4 was literally my banner verse for years. It was my banner verse. It's like, okay, Lord, there's going to be a purpose for this. I need to hang on to that. And I looked up, what is that joy? How can I be joyful? I'm supposed to be happy in this? And God says, no, you're not supposed to be happy. Look up what joy actually means. And it refers back to the verse in, um, I don't remember if it's John or 1 John. Um, but it says um, that Jesus rebuked the 70 that came back because they were all happy 
They were rejoicing because even the demons were being were fleeing. Mm-hmm. And Christ rebuked them. He said, don't be joyful because of that, but be joyful because your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's how we can bring joy. That's what God brought you to. Our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If our name, if we have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and not just as fire insurance, okay? Not just as fire insurance, but truly as our Lord and Savior, all right? Then we need to be able to trust Him. And I don't care what I go through in this earth, my joy is in him because he is my savior, he is my guide, he is my comforter, he is my provider, he is my everything. Okay? Does it look like it at times? Absolutely not. Is it the truth? Yes. And what am I going to do? I'm going to stand on the truth. I'm going to stand on the truth when my bank account is is empty. I'm going to stand on the truth when my relationships are going through turmoil. I'm going to stand on the truth when I just want to quit work, okay? I'm going to stand on the truth when I'm listening to the lies that Satan is throwing in at me. I'm going to stand on the truth. That's what you did. That's what I try to do. And that's where our joy comes from, standing on that truth. And then we got to say something. Yeah. That is the power of grace. Yeah. That is the power of grace. And why grace is so awesome, more awesomer than we ever know, right? Because that's the power, right? Yeah. Second Peter 1, 3 through 5. We have been divinely given everything we need. You know what that everything we need is? Grace. It's actually speaking about empowerment. We have been given everything we need to live a life of godliness and holiness. And he lists all those things. And then in verse 5, it says, so make every effort, which means, so choose. Exactly. You made a choice. You made a choice. And, and God not only empowers you to live out that choice, he throws in a bonus by showing you a visible sign That's of that, too. That's right. And Lord, I'm just praying right now for yes, my Lord. brother. I ask you, Father. Lord, yes, in this world we will have trial and tribulation. But Father, you have given us more, abundant mm-hmm. more. So I pray, Lord Father, that instead of 20 more years of, of struggle every yes, day, that my brother gets released yes, from sir. that struggle. He gets grace. He gets yes, joy. Sir. He gets provision. He gets um, resources yes, relationally, sir. financially, physically, Lord Father, that free him up to... Dance as David dances. Yes, Lord. That, Lord, not only does he rejoice, Father, that his name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but he dances over the freedoms yes, that you have given. I just pray your blessings upon him. In Jesus' name. All right. Obviously, we're on page two. <laughs> There's five. <laughs> so we're going to finish this discussion next week. Or at least let our intention is to finish this discussion next week. Okay, so we invite you to join us because next week, here's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about constructive anger and righteous indignation and how how to work with that so that it does not develop into a sinful anger. How to be angry and sin not. Believe it or not, Scripture expects us to get angry. Yeah. It's expected that we will get angry. But what is the anger that is sinful? What is the anger that is soulful? I, I remember driving in a car. I was I got really, 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 really disappointed about something that happened. And it was back home in Buffalo. And Jean looked at me. She could tell I was so angry. I'm sitting in the passenger seat. She goes, what's going on? And all I kept saying was, be angry and sin up, be angry and sin up, be angry and sin up, because I was about to blow. And it wasn't at Jean. It was about a circumstance. But I was really upset. I was really upset because I was really looking forward to something and it just got pulled out from underneath my feet. So it's one of those things, be angry and say not. So we're going to teach about that. <laughs> what? No, I remember hockey. Anyway, let's pray. Hockey's a big deal. So, so I was just going to say, going back to the previous, what we talked about first in the beginning, yeah. was a lot of times when I hear God or I think I hear God, I don't know, right? And I act out on something believing that I heard God and uh, a lot of times 
I can't, well, never can I ever control what other people do when I do that. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times all help will break loose, but all I can do is know that I did what I was supposed to do mm -hmm. and I can't control what anyone else does. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. That's very true. Um, last quick thing. Um, Ann and David had a rental and the person was generous enough to leave some furniture. Uh, much of it is actually still looking pretty decent, um, but there's some couches, there's bookcases, um, like end table nightstands, couple chairs. So, so I for bookcases? Wow. So, <laughs> there you go. All right. Miss Nutt, give him your phone number. We'll let you know. Are you available this afternoon? You can come by. He is. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Chris. You just realized, right? Let's pray. Father, before anybody else gets volunteered, in Jesus' name, we are so thankful.